Gracias por sintonizar nuestro podcast. Te habla tu servidor, el Pastor Mario. Esperamos que este mensaje te anime, te desafíe y hable a tu corazón. Disfrútanos. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, we're gonna come a little closer, way over there. So, how many people were not here last night? You're going to make it squeak if I walk too far. <laughs> Just a couple. So we don't have to recover everything. <laughs> oh, it's good good to be together. It's funny, my, I, I looked at my phone this morning, and you know how our phones are always listening. <laughs> all, my, all my ads were in Spanish this morning. It was... <laughs> There was Spanish worship, alabanza, on my, my phone. I was like, you were listening last night. <laughs> That's good. I hope, I hope Siri got what she needed <laughs> out of the message last night. Um, this, this morning, <clears throat> we're kind of going to just lay a foundation and, and part of uh, and build on, and we, we, last night we talked about the heart and and the importance of the heart, and that God, how God transforms us is he puts himself into us. That we're, we're dovetailed to God through Christ, and the Father, he pours his love into us, our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so there's this reality that we, as, as sons and daughters of Almighty God, Our portion is to learn to receive his love. I remember we, we went to a, an A school. And, and in A school, in, in our ministry, we have really, really unique names for our, <laughs> our things. We, we have an A school, which is before a B school. <laughs> um, our ministry is based out of New Zealand, and apparently... They named their bridges, bridge one, bridge two, bridge three, very creative. And then their roads, they, they list as road A, road B. So when they were designing kind of the core topics that we, we teach, they, they called them A and B. <laughs> so it, we went, we were living in Vermont in... In community, we, we had moved to Vermont. We lived on the side of a mountain with 25 young people. We invited them with us. We had been part of the House of Prayer in Kansas City, and we took 25 just awesome musicians and prophetic people and lovers of Jesus, and we said, we're going we're gonna to impact the state. And, and the state of Vermont is one of those places that it's like 2% believers in Vermont. I mean, it's, it's very akin to the Muslim world. It's, it's just a dark place. And we thought we're going we're gonna to bring the light of Jesus. And, and we did a bunch of things. We, we lived on 200 acres. We had this big old house that we all lived in. And if you can imagine moving in with 25 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. And they were 18 to 25, most of them, besides Leslie and I and a couple of them were our kids, and we cleared the land. We, we cleared about three acres. We planted big garden, farm, 
We had a couple greenhouses. We had, I don't know, 10, 12 goats that we milked and made cheese, and we had 150 chickens, and we, we grew mushrooms and 42 different varieties of, of plants. And, and so we, we started to sell those into a lot of farm-to-table restaurants, so we would sell them into restaurants. We had a cafe expression in town in Burlington, and just context, we, the last year we were there, we did million one, million two in revenue. So it wasn't just serving a cup of coffee, we, we did a lot. We also had a house of prayer expression, so we would be in the house of prayer about six hours a day. We would spend another six hours a day either working in the cafe or on the farm. And then we, we also worshiped, we had a church expression in our house, we were baptizing homeless people in our home, we were, I mean, we were, we were doing all the stuff, and it was beautiful, and I thought, this, this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life, and I'm here now, so I didn't, <laughs> and that, that was 10, 12 plus years ago that we were there, and When you're running as hard as you can, and it, part of it is my nature. God's put in me the capacity to do much, and, and I love it. But when you're leading others, what you have to be, what you have to understand is that not everyone is given the grace that you are given. And when you're young as a leader, you don't necessarily understand that always. And you think more is better. So that means more fasting, that means more prayer, that means you just go harder, longer, faster, you'll get there, right? <laughs> and so if you pray more, you, you'll get down the road faster. If you fast more, you'll get down the road faster. You, we want the anointing of God, we want the power of God manifest in our midst. We want, we want to see signs, wonders, miracles. We want to see the, the kingdom of God taking ground. I mean, that's who we are as believers, and yet what we found ourselves in, in in Kansas City, not Kansas City, in, in Vermont, is, is we were on these treadmills, and, and we were running as hard as we could. And we, it wasn't healthy. <laughs> we, we, we never took a day off. I mean, our day off was Sunday, but we, we would get up and we would, work in the fields for a while and then we would have people we would bake bread we'd make soup we'd have people come for church we would all have a meal together but that meant some of us had to cook that meal we baked fresh bread we I mean it was beautiful we had to, the people who led worship and these are all worship leaders so they could sang <laughs> I mean it was fun but still it took preparation it took time Somebody had to come up with a message that was usually me, but I was usually in the field as well, leading. So, I mean, we're on this treadmill and we're cranking. <laughs> I mean, with everything. And it came from a sincere place. It wasn't, it wasn't fully misguided. It, part of it was, man, I, I just love Jesus so much, I will give him everything. I know Mario's talked a lot about 
kind of the three chairs you see up here. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but I'll try to weave all this together. Let's just look at John 1, and, and I'm just going to just emphasize this because I don't know what, what Mario's necessarily said. <laughs> he could have said anything. So we know in the book of John that we have the synoptic gospels, and we'll get back to Vermont in a minute. But we have the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, common source. They are very similar in their expression. They talk about John the Baptist. They talk about the birth of Jesus. They, they kind of tell the story of, of Christ, but very similar, very similar language, very similar stories, just very, very different than the book of John. John wrote the book of John, and again, there's arguments amongst those who study these things about when exactly he wrote it, but it certainly was years later, could have even been as many as 50 or more years later than the other Gospels. The argument isn't really important right now. <laughs> it was later, and it was distinct. You see, all, all the other Gospels, they, they start with the story, and, and John, and, and the Baptist, and, and Jesus, and the birth, and Mary, and Joseph, and all the wonderful stories that we know. And John says, if I'm going to write a Gospel about the Christ. <laughs> oh, and he had such understanding about who, who God was as man. <laughs> Christ. And he understood relationally who he was, John, in Christ. And so he said, if I'm going to tell the story, I'm going to tell the story from the beginning. And so he starts with, in the beginning. And when we hear that, when we read that, we know that it, it takes us right back to Genesis, right? But he's saying, so in the beginning, and, and we'll just look at the first two verses here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So it's Jesus was with the Father is essentially what he's saying. But this word that's translated with in most of our Bibles, and I don't know what it is in Spanish, but it's probably very similar that word with could be translated a bunch of other ways. And maybe even better translated that Jesus was not with his father, but he was turned towards or in relationship with. And then he says it again. He says, and he was in the beginning. So he's going from the beginning. Genesis is what he's trying to get us to think. He was in the beginning with God. So turned towards in relationship. What John wants to stamp his gospel with is that when you read Jesus, you read Father. When you read Father, you read Jesus. They're inseparable. You can't, one doesn't do anything without the other. They are in relationship in everything. Everything they do is in context of relationship. They can't do anything apart. And, and we're going to look at that as we go through the day, but just Jesus himself, he says things like, in and of myself, I can do nothing. I can only do that which I see my father doing. I only say what my father says the way that he would say it. So if Jesus lifts his eyebrow, his father would lift his eyebrow when he said it. Jesus, he says himself, he was a perfect manifestation of his father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. 
he's shaking the boys at some point like, when, when are we going to see the father, they ask. <laughs> and he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, how many times do I have to tell you? But John, he really wants us to know that father, son, they are one in this picture. And, and we can't pull the Holy Spirit out of that. The Holy Spirit was always illuminating part of, of that relationship. The mystics, the, the early Catholics, they, they would speak of the Trinity as the swirl. Like you couldn't distinguish one from the other. And you, they could step into the swirl of the perfect love that's expressed between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they would just get caught up in the love and beloved, that's how we can live our lives. You see, the, the three chairs are great because they represent the Trinity, but that's external. <laughs> and it, it's a great picture as, as we begin to, to understand this, but the reality is so much better than that. It's so much better than that. It's not an external reality. I have this this thing I said in the other day, and it just came out of me. And, and, and we talk around this a lot, but this says it very clearly. Religion tries to earn love by action. And sonship, or Christianity, receives love by position. We receive love by position, by who we are in Christ. In Christ, I have everything that Jesus has. I have access to the Trinity. This is one thing that's stunning about the Trinity. I don't know how far I can go with this. I can keep walking. All right. <laughs> I don't want to blow the, the world up up here. In the midst of the Trinity, if, if Christ wasn't a man, if he was God, and he is fully God and fully man. But if he didn't take on our nature, if he didn't step into humanity, if he didn't clothe himself in this, and, and he keeps it forever, so that we have access. If Christ wasn't a man, we couldn't get in. Do you see that? Like We have access to the family because of the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. He was the perfect lamb slain. It was through him that we have access to the Father. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to the family. And when we begin to live here, and again, this is a picture that's actually realer than this. But as we begin to live from this reality, Religion starts to fall off of us. The, the, the competition starts to go away. We, we touched this very briefly last night, but if God, in, in sign language, God the Father is like this, a bearded guy who's really far away. So like an angry Gandalf, if you watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Who's, who's a far and distant father. And he's, he's a little bit angry. 
he, if we read the Old Testament without eyes of love, we can see that he might be scary sometimes. When I was very young in Christianity, kind of how I saw, again, I was a young believer. I, I, I started to see him. I, I came into Christ. I told you how I came to Christ last night. A cute girl sent me on, on a whirlwind that I'm not out of yet. And I remember the Holy Spirit. I was, I was, I was in Wheaton College, actually. So they probably wouldn't authorize me doing this. <laughs> but my wife and I were spending extended periods of time praying together. We were asking the Lord to give us the gifts. You know, there's a couple lists and we, we would have a little liturgy and we would say, we want all the gifts. <laughs> like if, if you're going to distribute them, Holy Spirit, we want them all. We had never, ever, ever, ever heard anyone speak in tongues. We didn't, all we knew was what was in the Bible. We're brand new. And so we said, if it's in the Bible, then it's possible. The reason we thought that is because my wife had been very, very sick. She had endometriosis. She, she was laying on the floor in pain. And I'd come home from school. I was in grad school. And, and, and I'd have to take her to bed, give her Advil, put a heating pad on, kind of take care of the kids, and then I'd go to work. And, and it just, it was a mess. And, and we, we actually went to a doctor who turned out to be a surgeon. And, and he said, I should just clean her out. This is like three minutes after he met her. He said, I, I should just clean her out. And I'm like, I need more words than that. What do you mean? <laughs> and, and what he meant was she should get a full hysterectomy. And I said, there's no baby steps. We just, at the time, she's 27 years old. She's a young woman. She had three kids. We, we probably weren't going to have any more kids. But still, there's a lot of hormones. There's a lot of stuff going on in there. <laughs> And I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of you cleaning her out. And he was, I mean, this is like, no, this is like Monday and he's booking Wednesday. Like, and I'm like, bro, like pump the brakes. And he's like, only a complete idiot would do something differently. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm an idiot. <laughs> so, so me and the doctor get into it and, and Leslie and I go out into the parking lot and probably, probably to date the worst fight we've ever had. I, I, I want to relate to you her perspective. You see, she, she saw and heard, she was in pain, a lot of pain, a lot of pain all the time. And here's this doctor saying, I can take pain away. And then the hero steps in <laughs> and, and says, no, you, you can't take pain away. I don't want you to do that. That was her perspective. My perspective was, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, you don't, you don't get to just do that. No, he didn't do a test. He, he knew her for three minutes before he was. I'm like, what? So, so we had this argument in the parking lot. I mean, we were, uh, yeah, we were going at it. And I don't know how this, this wisdom comes from heaven sometimes. And, and I said, can we just stop? And, and give me three days to pray. And at the end of three days, if God hasn't intervened in some way, and again, we've never seen anything ever. 
If God doesn't intervene in some way, you can go ahead and I'll, I'll be 100% behind this. And so we stopped fighting. <laughs> and and I, I called a friend. Again, I'm, I'm new at grad school. I, I'm just surrounded by people who I thought were much holier than me. Um, we're at Wheaton College, <laughs> where the holy ones show up. I did classes in the Billy Graham Center, and I love Billy Graham. I'm not going to say anything bad about him. I love him. Man, what a man who gave a life. So I call a couple friends. One, one happened to be a little Malaysian woman. The Lord just put a couple people in my, my, my heart, and I called them. Called the Malaysian woman first and said, would, would you come and, and pray with us just over Leslie? And she said, of course, I'll pray. I've been waiting for your call. And, and uh, things like that, you, I start to understand later. But <laughs> she, I'll just tell you her story quickly. We got all day, right? <laughs> she, she was part of a Sikh family in Malaysia. And Sikhs, her dad was the head priest over a community of 50,000 Sikhs. And so he was the chief. He, he ran everything. He was in charge. One day she was walking to school. And as she was walking to school, she overheard somebody else's conversation. And the conversation that she heard, she heard something like, when Jesus comes back, blah, 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 blah. All she heard is when Jesus comes back. And in her heart, instantly, she made the, if, if he's coming back, that means he came. That means he's real. I believe in you, Jesus. That, that happened in a second in her heart. I mean, living in a Sikh community. Her dad's the chief. She goes home and tells her dad, I'm, I, I, I follow Jesus now. I reject the family's business. He wasn't happy. He, he beat her until she was unconscious. And he did that every day for six months. She had somehow a growing understanding, and, and I can only attribute it to the Holy Spirit, just grew her in her knowledge and understanding. And by the end, she was just, in her heart, she just said, Father, take me. I'd rather be with Jesus I, I'm an embarrassment to my family. I'm ruining everything. Just get me out of here, was kind of her prayer. And, and again, she'd never seen a Bible. She'd never know another Christian. This is all just her. And, and six months later, her dad again says, calls her forward and says, I want you to renounce this Jesus. And she said, I can't. And so he raised his hand to strike her again, and he fell over dead. Now her two brothers are in charge. And they put her in a room for five years. <laughs> they lock her up. They feed her. <laughs> and every day she had a, a little bed and a, and a little desk. And every day she would sit on her bed and she said this man would walk through the wall and he'd come and sit on my bed next to me. She got out after five years and she went to Toronto. She went to a Bible school there. And she got her first Bible. And as she read the Bible, she knew every word of it. You see, the word had come and shared the word. 
So that was one of the people I called. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. I just knew the Lord put her on my heart, and I, and I called her, and she, she already knew I was going to call. So I was like, well, okay, that's weird. And so I called my other friend. Well, they weren't friends yet, but the other person. And he, he had been a missionary in Guatemala um, with, with the Lutheran church, and he didn't believe in anything. He was kind of a cessationist. Not kind of, he was. But amazing musician, singer, songwriter, could play the guitar and sing beautifully. And so he was the other person the Lord put on my heart. And so I, I called him and I said, would you mind coming over and praying? And he said, well, we have that huge project due tomorrow. There's, I don't really have time for that. How long is it going to take? And I said, I don't know, five minutes? How long do these things take? Like, I, I'd never done it before. I didn't, I didn't know what it was even. <laughs> and, and he said, no, I, I really don't have time. I got too much to do. And I said, okay. And so I hung up the phone and I called back this little woman and I said, hey, um, he can't pick you up, but I can come pick you up. And she said, oh, that's really weird. I really thought he would pick me up. I'm quite sure he was going to. Okay, that's fine. And so she hungs up, and I'm, I'm just like, this woman's so weird. <laughs> and then the phone rang, and it was the guy. And he's like, I can come. I'm like, oh, can you pick up? And he's like, yeah, no problem. And so then I call her back. Yeah, um. He's going to pick you up. She goes, oh, I thought so. <laughs> Weird. And so we, we get, they come over. And I mean, at some point, maybe Leslie will share this. But I'll do the fast version. The Lord really told me to just be quiet and watch. And he put me over in the corner. <laughs> and, and really, I, I began to see visions for the first time in my life. Maybe not the very first, but I, I just sat there and I, I saw the globe and I saw all the places that we would go. And again, I had, I was there to get a doctorate in, in clinical psychology. That's why I was in Wheaton College. I wasn't there to be a missionary. I wasn't there to be a preacher. I wasn't there to go around the world. I, I, but yet the Lord's showing me this. And so Leslie sitting there and, and this this little woman was, was kind of ministering and, and leading the prayer. The, the other, the guy, he was up on the back end of the couch and he was beginning to sing over her. But as he began to sing, he began to prophetically sing with tears rolling down his eyes. What I saw was, I saw Jesus walk up behind Leslie and lay his hands on her. That's all I saw. And, and and when he when he left and this was five hours later, <laughs> but when he left she was totally healed and is to this day. This friend of mine, he went home. Again, I, I promised him five or ten minutes. It was five hours. He he went home, he said he, he was able to write out like this paper, this project we did in just he said it just flew right out of me. He said, in the morning, I woke up, and I, I sat in the shower, and I, I just laid in the bottom of the shower, weeping, because everything I, I didn't believe in happened that night, and I didn't know what to do with it. And So that was prefacing kind of why we began to pray together. We, we said, if this is true, healing... 
then maybe the rest of it's true. We came into the kingdom with very simple childlike hearts. And over time, they got more and more complicated. But the beginning of our, our walk with Jesus was very simple. We, we were praying on a daily basis. I, I, I'd go to school until the afternoon, and then I was working nights in, in a hospital and a, a locked psychiatric unit, which was interesting. <laughs> but it was full of Jesus. And I remember one day, kind of between those two things, I was sitting at my sink. I was looking out my back door, back window, and my kids are out there playing. They were probably one, two, three, or two, three, four. They were like that age. They, they were zero, one, and two once upon a time. Now they're big. And, and I, I just started, I, I was pouring myself a glass of water, and it just started to tremble. And I dropped my glass in, in the sink, and, and I started to just speak in a language I'd never heard before. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and so I, I snuck down into the basement, and I... And my arms just went up and I, I just began to worship in this language. And, and because we were praying for it, I, I felt bad that like I'd been given a gift and I didn't know about her. And, and so I was kind of hiding it for a few days. And I'd, I'd sneak down to the basement and I'd sit on our couch and and, and I'm seeing things and just things started to happen, crazy things. And one day, Leslie snuck up behind me, <laughs> and I, I'm just lost. I'm in another place. And she says, are you speaking in tongues? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, we'd never heard anybody speak in tongues. We didn't know even if that was real or not. And it said it in the book, and I believed it, but yet, I was unsure whether or not it was real because I'd never heard it. And, and I'm, we're at Wheaton College, and just Wheaton College is very evangelical, and they do lots of amazing things. But to test whether you're speaking tongues or not probably wasn't in their wheelhouse. <laughs> so they, but it was God in his grace, he began to just bring, it was amazing how he brought people into my life. And so we're off and running. We're, we're doing this, this stuff. And we, we end up being missionaries in, in Bolivia, in Ecuador, and, and, and ultimately in, in Mexico. And we fell in love with the people. We fell in love with the culture. We fell in love with so many things. Part of what happened is, is the simplicity of just walking with Jesus started to fade and it became more complicated. And in part, my own doing, our own doing, but in part, religion. Um, and I found myself, and again, this isn't wholly who I was, but I knew Jesus and I loved Jesus and I told everyone I could about Jesus. And, and, and I was good at that. Holy Spirit, 
you, you kind of heard my introduction. It wasn't a very formal introduction, but we got to know each other very well. And, and anything you can imagine in, in the world of Christianity, we saw in, in the nations. We, 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 we've seen it all. And it was amazing. And, and uh, I mean, deliverance was a big part of our ministry for a long time. Healing was a huge, huge part. We, we just had the faith to step into that. And it was, but for me, I thought I'm running with Jesus who kind of connects people to the power and then the power was the Holy Spirit. I had no concept. Theologically, I knew there was a Trinity and I could talk to you about God as Father. But I still, in my heart, I still thought of him as that. He's, he's Gandalf and he's kind of cranky. So he would be searching the earth, looking, and he'd get his eyes on me. <laughs> now, I never said this, but there was a real part of me that believed this, this, this angst in my soul. I, I, I just couldn't deal with God the Father. I didn't know what to do with him necessarily. And I, I kind of thought of him like this. When, when he was searching the earth and, and he would get his eyes fixed on me, Jesus would jump in the way and go, oh, hey, Dad, <laughs> nothing to see here. Everything's good. Keep on looking. <laughs> and, and it was Christ that he saw it wasn't me. And so Jesus was, like, Jesus was literally my homeboy. He, was, he, he covered me. He, he kept me away from Dad. So we have this, this father who's all by himself. Again, God, God is love. And so the reality is God can't be alone. He can't be far and distant. He has to be in the context of community. He has to be in the context of an expression of love. Love must express itself. If you're filled with love, it's going to pour out. You have to give it away. That's its nature. God being love in its fullness, he has to give himself away. And so this reality of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it's natural. It's him breathing. He can't do anything but give his love away to his Son. They release this love into the Holy Spirit. There's this reality of love in that context. But when we see God as Father as distant and alone, just theologically, it's messed up. But it gets worse than that because we start to think of God as distant and far away. Then, then we, the only way we can relate to him is we have to win his love. I hang out with Jesus. I hang out with the Holy Spirit. We do all the stuff. We lead people to Jesus. We see healings. We see deliverance. And then we have to deal with God, Papa. And so how do we do that? Is we do stuff to make them happy. Now, I don't think I quite would articulate that, but my actions would show that something in me believed that I had to win his love at some level. But what does that do to us? If that's true, I have to win his love. Let's say I win his love for the day. It's a good day. He's happy. I'm happy. He's happy with me. I'm happy with him. We're good. But how do I keep it now? 
I got to do more. I got to do it better. I got to be more pleasing. But here's where it really breaks down. You see, if I'm trying to win his love, that means we're trying to win his love. And if you're trying to win his love, that means I'm in competition with you to win his love. So if, if I want the anointing, if I want the power, if I want to see the dead raised, if I want to see arms grow, if I want all that stuff, I've got to get to him first. I've got to be, leave an impression on him <laughs> so that when he searches the world, oh yeah, I'm going to pour out my love on this one. He's been really good. But that means I've got to blow out your candle in order that mine is brighter. If we're in competition for love, then I'll do just about anything to make you smaller and me bigger. And we do it really nice. I mean, we, we put the right language on it, so it seems really pretty. But it's not pretty. We start to compare. And, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about this last night. So, so you're fasting, Bobby. Oh, that's really impressive. How long did you say you were fasting? Hmm, yeah. Three days is a good starting place. And, and I love that you've thrown in McDonald's milkshakes in there. That's, I mean, I'm sure he, he sees you and he's happy. That's really good. That's Man, you're, you're really coming along. <laughs> but suddenly we net let other people know that we do it better. We're more, we're more given to the cause. I'm willing to fast longer, and I'm willing to fast without food, without water, without coffee. <laughs> That'd be a big one. <laughs> But just what? And, and I can, everything I said to her sounded encouraging, right? If you were listening, you go, oh, Leonard's so nice to her. Look at he's he's encouraging her in fasting. But in her, in her heart, she knows what I'm doing because I'm going to let her know. And so she her heart sinks a little bit. Like my massive effort, which seemed huge to me, everything I had was to give the Lord three days in fasting and prayer. And yeah, I'm drinking milkshakes, but... That's all I got. That might be all she has. And that might be all the Lord's asking of her. And I come in and I stomp all over and go, that's so insignificant. You might as well not even try. Because you're never going to get to where I am. Because I, I fast. I don't even drink water. I fast. And he's so pleased with me. You, you've seen my ministry. You've seen what's happened around me. You've seen the signs and wonders, and isn't that amazing? I mean, if you hang out with me, you'll, it'll rub off. <laughs> so encouraging. <laughs> but when we're in competition, the only way that I get to him is I blow out her candle. The only way I get to him is I diminish her. And I... I'm not even necessarily 
trying to make her feel bad. I'm trying to make me feel good. And I'm trying to, God, if you would just see me, if you would just love me. And what we end up, and this is where we started, we were on the treadmill. And so the only way to keep that going is the treadmill is I keep increasing the inclination so it's higher and higher and I keep cranking up the speed. And there's no alternative. There's no alternative. And so I'm running with all my might and I'm going, are you happy, Papa? Yeah, I'm doing it for Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And we're running, but this is where it gets... Not only am I destroying all you, but I'm leading people now. And so I've got a whole line of treadmills. Come on, this is for Jesus. (laughs) There's billions walking to their perdition. They're on their way to burn forever. You're not willing to just get on the treadmill for a few minutes. Let's go. Who's with me? Hoorah. (laughs) Come on. Yeah! Uh. (laughs) And we give it all for Jesus. And what's horrible about me is I have capacity. I can do that. I can do that for 20 years. I did it for 20 years. And all around me, young ones would come in and they would get in the anointing with me and they would see the power and they would go, man, I want that. Oh, you want that? Here you go. Climb on. Oh, no, no, no. We're going to crank that up a little bit. No, 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 no. He's got to be happy. And so I crank it up. You liking that? That's good, isn't it? Yeah. And we'd go out and we'd do the stuff And I don't understand, God, why he allows us to see power when we're doing this. But he does. So we run as fast as we can. And what I found is young people that have run for sometimes one, two, three, five, seven years with you. And they want to get off. How do they get off the treadmill? This is the worst part. They don't want to run anymore. In fact, they weren't called to run like you're called to run. They were called to do something else. But yet, the only paradigm they have is you running as fast as you can with the inclination going up and the speed going up. So how do do they join you? Or or once they have joined you, how do they get out of it? They're stuck. Because they said, yes, hoorah, we're going to, yeah. All this is so subtle. You see, it's, it's the originator of, of legalism and religion is the devil himself. If we go back to, to Genesis, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, good and evil, all these things are good things. But if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says it always leads to death. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what that is, essentially, you see Adam and Eve, they walked in the earth with God in perfect harmony. They were surrounded, bathed, captivated by love. They knew no other than love. 
And then one day they, they ate of the fruit and their eyes were open, but not the eyes like you and I have eyes, the eyes of their heart. And suddenly they could see things from a different perspective. They began to measure and weigh. And religion was born. Legalism was born. You only get if you give. And the more you give, the more you get. And I'm just formed in such a way that if, if it just means not eating or if it means running a marathon every day or whatever it means, if it means that Jesus, his name becomes great, I'm in. And so it was this trick. <laughs> and and I had, in all this, I had sincerity in my love for Jesus and my love of the Holy Spirit, and I just didn't know who Father was. I was, I was so far from him, and I was just running. And so we're talking about the young people. How do they get off this treadmill? They have to sabotage it. You see, once you create a line of treadmills, there's no way off. You can't just say, hey, would it be all right if I just put pause for a while? What do you mean, pause? <laughs> How can you pause the gospel, the kingdom of God going forth? You can't pause that. What do you mean you're going to pause it? Right? And they feel that either they have to be all in or all out. So how do they get out? And I've watched being part of big ministries. The way they get out is they do something so horrible, at least from our perspective, that they're never asked to get back on a treadmill again. They have to do something so disruptive to the system that people will go, oh, we can't ever have them back. Yeah, they have some gifting, that's from God, but there's some character issues. And it's so bad that they'll, we don't ever want them back. And they say, yes. <laughs> I've had to go back and pick up these crumpled kids and say, I'm sorry. And it's not that what I was teaching was necessarily wrong. My theology has always been sound, but what, what was wrong is that I was... I was exacting from them a reality that wasn't theirs to live. It was mine. And somehow we all got in this world where we were trying to make him happy. And the truth is, he's already happy. <laughs> and right now, there's nothing I can do to add one drop to my righteousness. I can fast for the rest of my life. I can pray till my, my knees burn out and I have huge calluses. I, I, can, I can pray for the right things in the right way and, and I can memorize the Bible and I can walk in the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit and I can raise the dead. And, and, the, and I love... All of that. But it doesn't add one drop to my bucket of righteousness. 
My righteousness is that of Christ. In Christ, I have the full righteousness of God. I can't make it better. And so this, this whole treadmill thing, this whole run as fast as you can, this whole try to please this distant, far-off God, that, it's all malarkey. It's all, it's all religion. It's all legalism. It's, all, it's, it's a trap to take us away from this to take us away from family, to take us away from contentment, to take us away from rest. And by rest, I don't mean we don't do anything. By rest, I mean we get to rest in him, in his love. What if we really knew, I mean really knew, that Papa's loving us right now? That we don't have to do anything that we can't do anything to make him love us more. He's just happy with me. He he says, I'm his delight. (laughs) He delights in me. Hesaba. I am his delight. He, He searches the world over and he catches me and he goes, whoa! (laughs) But he does it for you. We're all his favorite one. He jumps up and down. He sings over us. He delights in us. Not because of what we do, but because of who we are. We're image bearers. In Christ, he sees sees his son in us. He goes, oh, I love loving you. There's nothing I like to do better than love you. That's my whole life. I, I, I'll just tell one quick story, and then we'll, we'll take a little break. And then we'll get, get heavier into the Bible here in a minute. So we, we go, we're living on a treadmill. We're surrounded by all these kids. We, we get invited to an A school. And, and honestly, I was too busy to go take a week, and I, did, I didn't have a week to give. And part of, part of the ministry that we, we were, were leading, we had been asked by another ministry, would you send us some people because we're having this event and we need some more people? We don't have enough. Would you send some? And, we're, and I, I said no. <laughs> but I wasn't the only voice at the table. <laughs> And, and because we were living in this house with all these young people, they said, you should probably go, go do this father thing. Like, Check it out. might help you. <laughs> and, and I was like, I can preach up and down about God as father. What in the world are they going to tell me that I don't know? I mean, that was, that's where I was. And so we went, we spent the week, and I couldn't recognize that Father was putting a deposit in me, but he was putting a deposit in me. My wife, towards the end, she said, this is going to change everything we do. 
everything we do. And I, I know her and trust her enough to believe that when she says that, I should believe it, even though I can't see it. Is anyone married here? I'm, I'm just talking to the men now. Our wives have this, this connection with God, and I don't know what to call it other than intuition. But sometimes they see things before we do. Man, it pays to listen. Just to lean in and go, tell me that again. Mm. I didn't quite see it. But we did, we did recognize, they, they, at this, this one week, they said this one line and a couple lines that kind of shocked us. But one of them was the essence, the, the secret to Christianity is learning to receive love from God the Father. And see, we, we'd been operating with this two-legged stool. And if you've ever tried to sit on a two-legged stool, I mean, it's not comfortable. We, we'd excluded the Father for whatever reason. And, and we, we tried to win his love. And, we, and again, it wasn't purely trying to win love. It, there was genuine love for Jesus, genuine love for, for the ministry, genuine love for people. It wasn't just I was driving and trying to win, but yet the reality was that became the expression. And so we realized we didn't know how to, we, we started to know about Father, but we didn't know him. And there's a massive difference between being a good theologian and being a son. It's two distinct things. In fact, we started yesterday with Matthew eleven twenty five, where Jesus says to the religious, none of you know my dad, not one of you, only I know him. You all have a lot of really good thoughts. You know the law, but only I know my dad. I conozco mi papi. I'm in relationship. So we, we get this understanding that we're, we're a part and we're not receiving love. We know about him, but we don't know him. So how do we know him? Like, what is the process? And so Leslie, she, she said, I'm just going to, I'm going to, if he wakes me up, this is kind of how she said it, I'm going to just get up and I'm going to sit with him. And my only question is this. Father, I don't know how to receive your love. Teach me how to receive love from you. And so, again, we're living in this community with all these people, and every morning she starts getting up. And by morning, I mean none of us would consider what she, the time she got up is morning. <laughs> I would consider it night. <laughs> but she would get up at 1, 2, really late she'd get up at maybe 3 o'clock. And so she's getting up every morning, and if you've ever shared a bed with your spouse, you, you know that when they leave and you're still there, it's like free sleep. <laughs> no, it's like extra special sleep. Like you don't have to warm that part of the bed up. You can just roll over and go, mmm, warm. I didn't have to create this. It's free. And, and knowing that they're out there, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, and you're not doing that, you just get to lay down and sleep. It's, it's like super special sleepy time. <laughs> At least that's how I think, because I, 
at this time, I didn't get a lot of sleep. And so it's just like, ah, I get to sleep. And for many, many years, I got up very early and left the house to work, to, to pray. To, and she, she got all the extra sleep for years, and now I was getting some sleep. <laughs> Although I'd just gone to bed, usually sometimes we pass in the night. And so she's getting up, and she's sitting in, in, in the kitchen in her chair, and she's just receiving love. And she, she actually went to Crate and Barrel and she brought like this special blanket and she just symbolically would wrap it around herself and say, this is the love of the Father and, and he's wrapping me up in his love. So that's what she's doing every morning. <coughs> and this is from sometimes one, two, three o'clock in the morning till six when things start rolling. And I'd get up and I'd be like, how to go today, and, and she called it her small group. <laughs> she'd, <coughs> she'd sit with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they would, they would commune. And, and <coughs> If you've ever been part of a small group where you're the sole focus of attention, like she just sat in the middle of them, and everyone's trying to rescue me right now. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm going to make it. We just got a couple minutes. And so she's, she's in the midst of this, this, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and she's just saying, teach me to receive love. And, and sometimes she would pray. Sometimes she would worship. Sometimes she would read a book. Sometimes she would just sit there. Surely sometimes she would fall asleep. It was, it, she, didn't, she didn't like raise up out of her chair and, and meditate and levitate, but... <laughs> although that's coming. <laughs> and so she did this every morning for nine months, maybe 10 months, every morning. And, and to this day, so that was more than 10 years ago now, she still, she still does that. That's, that's her habit, to get up and sit with Papa. And, and again, at times that I would still call night. <laughs> so we, we get... 10 months into this, and, you know, I, I like my sleepy time. I'm in the warm spot. She's gone. And it's like 4 o'clock in the morning, and I hear this, Aah! And you know, like, when you wake up, but you're sound asleep, and you, you kind of knew you heard something, but you're not sure what you heard, and you kind of hit rewind. And we have, we have goats, and we have bear outside, and there's moose, and all kinds of coyotes, and we have a great Pyrenees, a big dog that makes all kinds of noise, and goats, goats scream sometimes, and, and so you're, and huge owls, we had these great horned owls that were like three feet tall, they were really freaky, you'd be like walking by a fence, and I was like, <laughs> these big monsters would be sitting there, always in the dark, very scary. And so I'm trying to picture, like, what made that noise? And I couldn't figure it out, so I went back to sleep. <laughs> and then 30 seconds later, and I, can, I could lay down right here and fall asleep with you all staring at me. I'm, I'm really good at sleep. <laughs> it's because I spent 20 years on a treadmill. and <laughs> So I, I hear it again. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't figure out what that noise is. But I, 
I'm in charge of the place, so I figured I should get up and figure it out. And so I, I get up, and I walk out into the kitchen, and in the, in the kitchen was kind of our kitchen table. There was a big kind of uh, island between me and the, the table, and I, I heard this noise. And I'm hearing this. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Because... <laughs> table's there, her books are there, her notebooks are there, her Bible's there, the, ta- the chair's pushed back. I can't see her, but I just hear this noise. And I'm like, what are you doing? Hey, hey, Leslie, where are you? And, and I look around the corner, and she's flat on her back, and, and like lifting herself off the ground by her heels and her elbows. She's going, and I laid that floor, it's three-quarter inch maple floor, hard, hardwood floor. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And she's flat, and, and I've never seen her like this ever, ever, ever. So, I mean, I'm sleepy. <laughs> she's flat on her back, cruising away. <clears throat> and as soon as I look at her, she looks back at me, and she starts to just speak into my spirit from the perspective of the Father. She goes, oh, you don't know who you are. I've called you to be my son. I've called you to walk with me as a son. And so she's saying this to me. She's flat on her back. It's four o'clock in the morning. I don't know what in the world's going on, but I'm being like, oh, just wrecked by what she's saying. And she just keeps speaking into my spirit. But I'm worried about her body (laughs) because she's... So I grab the blanket and I try to stick it underneath her just like, you know, to protect the elbows and the heels. And and pshoom, blanket gets tossed away. And, and I tried to stop her at one point and I couldn't. I mean, she's just and prophesying over me about who I am, about who he says I was from his perspective. And it was very disturbing. <laughs> So I, I ultimately wrapped her up in the blanket and I drag her into the other room and I let her go. And she's like, and so she's still talking to me and I say, I'll come back. And I, I go and wake up all the kids. And it's now 4.30 in the morning and I'm going, wake up kids. And they're like, why? Why are we getting up now? I'm like, I don't know, but just come downstairs. And, and one by one they began to come down the stairs, and as soon as they got in sight, so Leslie's on the floor at the bottom of these stairs in this great room. We had a big fireplace. This is kind of where we met, where we'd worship, where we did church, where we ate together, where we studied the Bible together, where we played together. It's where we did everything, and, and they would come down these big stairway from, from upstairs where most of the housing was. We lived on the first floor. Everyone else was above us. And, and she would look into them and begin to speak from the perspective of the Father. And every single one of them ended up on the floor, kind of commando crawling towards her. And she was still... And she would just put her hand out and just pray for them. And, and that day, instead of living on treadmills, we, we became a family. All the stuff that we thought was important suddenly wasn't important. We all got saved, healed, delivered that day. All the stuff happened. And we, we kind of laid on the floor, weeping and laughing and 
ministering ultimately one to another and, and just praying together. I mean, at first it was very, very dramatic. And, and kind of, we all kind of got into the flow of whatever Father was doing that morning. And it shifted everything we did. Everything. We, there's no way I could have possibly imagined. We were on this huge ship cruising full steam ahead. And somehow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the Father, in a second took that boat and went shunk. Like big boats just don't turn on a dime. This boat turned on a dime. And it was love. What it, if I could describe to you what it was, it was love tangibly came into the room and love tangibly took over the room. Took over every single one of us and changed every single one of us. Now, we had habits that we'd been doing and using for 20 plus years at that point. But what we realized that there was that Papa wanted to fill us up from the inside out. That he wasn't something to reach for, to call for, to, to try to get to come or to try to please, but yet he was within us, loving us, pouring himself into us and that's how he began to change our nature, our character into his. We were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We were all lovers of Jesus. We worshiped our brains out. But it wasn't until Father came that everything began to change. So let's just take maybe 10 minutes 10, 15 minutes, it's 41, so we'll go to like 5, 2, so 11, 55. We'll come back and, and we'll just keep on keeping on. Amen.